finishing our series in Romans tonight for a brief period of time. We're going to pause for a second after this week. We've been going since the beginning of the year. Tonight is the end of chapter 5, so we made it five chapters in Romans. We're going to take Romans back up actually in the spring, but we're going to take a break after this week. And I've mentioned we're going to talk about relationships uh, for the rest of the semester. So friendship, marriage, dating, um, all that kind of stuff. More topical than going through the book. And then we'll come back to Romans next spring to continue to finish. We probably won't finish it out because it's a long book with a lot of stuff, but we'll, we'll continue on in it. So uh, the awesome part, too, about tonight is we're really finishing a section of Romans that really is all one idea that Paul is trying to communicate. And after chapter 5, he really starts on to another idea. So in order to maybe understand this last section that we're going to get in chapter 5, we did this a little bit last week, but even it's helpful for us. What do we know about chapters 1 through 5 so far? I asked last week, could you summarize it in a sentence? Could you put it together in a short paragraph? What would you, we can do this together as a team. How would you tell someone if they asked you really short, what is Romans 5, 1 through 5 about? Yes? We're all terrible sinners in need Jesus. We're all terrible sinners in need Jesus. I think that's good. Yes? No one is perfect, no, not one. No one's perfect, no, not one. Okay. This is also one of those tests that's like, I don't remember what happened in August, which is okay. Um, that's all we're, that's all we're asking, going back to it. So there's a couple of words that we, we've used a lot. Yes? Um, from my last week. Um, yes? We are all centered, but with God, um, we are receiving grace. Okay. We're all centered, but with God, we are receiving grace. Okay. I've heard a couple of the words we've mentioned almost every week. Okay, righteousness, we've talked about a lot. Paul, Paul brings up righteousness. What does righteousness mean? Being a right standing. Okay, having right standing. What does unrighteousness mean? Okay, having a debt or being in wrong standing, right standing, wrong standing, not too complicated, right? There's another word, faith, that we've used a lot, right? What does the word faith mean? I remember. Blind trust in God. Blind trust, okay. Any other thoughts? You have some faith? Yeah. Okay, the assurance of things so far. Okay. What did we talk about about faith so far? I'll put it this way. If you sit in this room and you say you're a Christian, that means you've placed faith in Jesus, right? What does that mean? All belief. Okay. You say all belief? Yes. Okay, all belief. A trust? A trust in what? And a belief in what? That he did everything for us. Okay, he did everything for us. We're getting there. Okay, that he loves us. What else? Sorry to harp on this, but this is really important, especially for tonight. 
When we place faith in Jesus for what he's done for us, our belief in him, we're placing faith in what he has done. But what is that? We, we always say what he's done, what he's done. To even be more specific than that, what, what has he done? Okay, he has died on the cross for our sins. What does that do for us? Pays our debt. He's our what? Pays our debt. Okay, pays a debt. So we had a debt he pays on the cross. What do we get in exchange? Okay, eternal life, yes. But in a very financial sense, which we're going to go up here, what do we get instead of debt? A bank we get a bank account. Everyone gets a million dollars. We get righteousness. We get his perfect obedience, which we're going to talk about tonight. We've talked about some already. And I hope tonight, that's one of the main things I hope you see tonight, is how thankful we can be that Christ perfectly obeyed. And that's going to be the argument in chapter 5 tonight. So, Let's read in chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 12, and we're going to go through 21 here. Therefore, just as sin came into the world, that through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, trespass could also mean sin, much more had the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass or sin brought condemnation, for the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, great grace may also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is one of the toughest passages in Romans. And some of it's because of what you just experienced trying to read that. It felt very like all over the place, choppy. There were some words in there that I didn't understand. It seemed like a lot of back and forth, which there is. Paul does a lot of repetition here. But this passage could really be a summary for the whole book of the Bible. The whole story of the Bible is encapsulated in these ten chapters. At the end of Romans 5 here, 
So the question really of the whole of this part of the chapter is this. Who will represent you? Who will represent you? If you got to choose someone to be a representative, what qualities would you look for in the one that you would want to represent you? Or what actions would you want them to take? I have the best representative that maybe you could ask for. And that representative is like way better than you. He was created by God to represent all mankind. He was created perfectly. And his name was Adam. When Adam was created, he was created perfect. So if we go all the way back, so hold your spot in the Bible real quick, and we're going to go flip all the way to the beginning. Okay? Genesis 2. We need to talk about this Adam guy. Uh, all right, so in Genesis 2, uh, let's see, I'm going my spot here. All right, so it says in verse 15, The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You, sh you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. All right, so Adam is created by God perfectly in a perfect oasis. Like, you know those, those pictures or even those commercials that put that picture up of you're like, that's what heaven has to be like. It was that and even better for Adam. And God gave him one rule, one command for him to obey. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you eat of it, you will die. Just one thing. God created Adam perfectly in the beginning. When Adam was created, he was not created in sin. Some may forget this, but when Adam was created, there wasn't sin in the world yet. Sin comes through Adam's choice. You might be thinking, why in the world are we talking about Adam? Why are we talking about the garden? Because tonight is... There are two representatives for you that Paul is pointing to tonight. You are either in Adam or you are either in Jesus. And we're going to talk about the difference of the two. And when I mean you are in Adam, I mean that when Adam sinned in the garden, it changed everything for you and me. Because when he chose to eat that apple in the garden, sin enters the world, right? We see in Romans 5 that just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men. Sin came into the world through one man. So now, for, from Adam, every single person that is born is born into sin. You and I, when we were born, we were born into sin. And then we continue to sin. And that sin originates all the way back to Adam. 
So <clears throat> we see here that um, Adam is the first representative. God created Adam perfectly in the beginning, <clears throat> like I just said, but he was told not to sin. So here's what he's born into. And we are too. So now your account, when you are born, you have... You're given perfection or righteousness. And the cost or the outcome of this eternal life with God. So like I said at the beginning, what this, pa this passage is getting to is this. We have Adam and we have Jesus. The way that God works is that he has made two covenants, okay? Does anyone know if they describe a covenant like a sentence? Any ideas? Yeah? It is a promise given by God, but it goes both ways. Okay. Promise given by God goes both ways. Yeah, it's agreement. It's a contractual agreement. In the garden, 
God made an agreement with Adam. If you do what I ask you to do, you will be declared righteous and give eternal life to me. If you disobey, there will be penalty. That's the covenant that God made with Adam. And then God made another covenant with Jesus. And that covenant is called the covenant of grace. And the covenant of grace is this. Jesus, if you obey perfectly the law and every single one of my commands, I will declare you righteous as a representative. I want to pause for a second and talk just a second about representatives. How many of you are underrepresented right now? All of you are, right? We are represented politically. We're represented by parents. You're even maybe represented by a sports team, right? I'll give you an example that when you go into the field, does the whole team go out for the coin flop toss? No. You send a representative, right? They go out and they decide what the coin toss is. And you as a teammate are under whatever that decision is. The same thing is true here. The actions of one person have determined your outcome. So the actions of Jesus or the actions of Adam have determined your outcome. We're connected to Adam physically, right? Every single one of us has been born in sin. It's one of the reasons why the virgin birth is such a big deal, because sin has passed through the man. And Jesus was born not in sin because he wasn't born by man. He was born by the Spirit. And in that, he lived a perfect life. He obeyed in the ways that Adam did not. Do you realize that if someone came along before Jesus, who actually lived perfectly, could have been our representative too? But here's the problem. Every single representative before Jesus wasn't perfect, so they were an awful representative. Because they would have represented us before God as a failure. As one that couldn't actually give us what we needed which was perfect obedience. Jesus is the only one that can. So one of the things that Romans 5 wants to point us to is that it says in verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man, Adam's trespass, much more has the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus, abounded. Because here's the deal. Some of you may be thinking, well, I don't want Adam to be my representative. Like, who knows what was up, you know, maybe woke up on the wrong side of the bed that morning and decided to eat that apple, and I think I could have done a better job than him. Right? I think some of us can get there sometimes. Like, what was his deal? He had perfection. He ate the apple. What the heck? But here's the problem. One, there's two issues with that. One, you're fooling yourself if you think you would have done better than that in the garden. 
And the second thing is, it's not how God works. God has representatives in covenants with his people. He chose Adam to be the first representative of the covenant of what's called works. If you do the right things and obey me perfectly, Adam could have been justified by doing that. He could have been given perfection, eternal life, declared righteous, if he would have obeyed, but he didn't. And because of that, death came into the world through sin. I don't think it's very hard to prove how much death has come into the world, how much sin has come into the world, right? You don't have to teach a two-year-old to whine, to cry, and to throw a tantrum. They just do it, right? You don't have to teach them to steal or talk back to their parents. It's just in them. That's out. That's in us. But here's the best news. It's the only option is no longer to be in Adam, to be in sin. Jesus, another representative, has come to give perfection and righteousness. Because none of us in this room could obey perfectly. None of us in this room could have sat in the garden and chosen the right thing. You know, how, how other than the cross, what are, what's another place that Jesus proves his obedience the most in his life? Think about his life. Does he prove his obedience the most? Okay, that's a good moment. It's not the one I'm thinking of. He's in the desert and the one I'm thinking of. He doesn't turn stone into bread. Okay, who's he talking to? Satan. Hmm. So hold on just a second. Jesus went to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, didn't eat, fasted, and then was tempted by Satan. And obeyed perfectly. Huh, that sounds really familiar. Adam, in a perfect garden with everything he could ever imagine, was tempted by Satan and could not obey. Thank God for the obedience of Jesus on our behalf. Some of you don't think about this, that we think about Jesus dying on the cross, which is important, but what Romans 5 is trying to show us is that Jesus' obedience is actually one of the main reasons why we get eternal life. Because through it, everyone can be made righteous. Everyone can be given perfection in eternal life. So... My question is the same one that we started with. Who's going to be your representative? You have two choices. You can have Adam, who brought sin, death into this world, or you can have Jesus. 
And by choosing Jesus, this is where faith comes in. We place faith in Jesus as our representative, as the one who has acted on our behalf. He's representing me. So when the day comes, at the end of time, when we stand before God, whenever that day comes for each of us, I don't want to point to Adam or me or some other person. I want to point to Jesus. He is my representative. Why, why should I? Because of him. Because of what he did. Because he obeyed perfectly. And I'm trusting in that. I'm putting faith in that. Let's pray.